0: Welcome to Simply by Grace, a podcast of Grace Life Ministries with founder and director, Dr. Charlie Bing. This podcast and other helpful resources can be found at our website, gracelife.org. Now, here's Dr. Bing.
1: Well, welcome to you. Glad you're here to join us for another Grace story. And I think you'll be interested in today's story from some friends. Um, They have uh, interesting testimony to tell. And um, also a sad story to tell in some ways, but uh, uh, you'll you'll hear about that. You're going to hear how Grace made a difference in their lives and how they how they view uh, the tragedy that they went through. So uh, I'm going to introduce to you um, Don and Patty Den Hartog. Uh, Don is an old friend. Patty too. Uh, probably met Don first, and of course, friends with your brother Don. David He's a good friend here locally. Um, but uh, greetings to you, and welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you. Good to be with you. Thank
0: you.
1: Well, we want to let people know uh, who you are and uh, where you're from, and we'll eventually get to some other subjects. But uh, we need a little background about your your lives. So maybe tell us um, uh, where you're from and. Anything you want to tell us about how you were raised? All right. Well, Patty, why don't you begin?
0: Well, I was born in Peru, South America, to missionary parents there, and so I did not spend a lot of time in the United States at all. But I came to college to Omaha, Nebraska, and there I met Don, and I always knew I wanted my vocation to be um, full-time Christian work. And I always thought I'd be a missionary, but met Don and he wanted to be a pastor. And I could see now how God made, um, let different things happen in my life so that I would be prepared for that vocation. And Mm -hmm. I would not have my life be any other way.
1: Well, uh, one of the things that would prepare you is that you came to know Jesus as your Savior. Can you briefly tell us how that happened?
0: Absolutely. Um, our family always had uh, devotions together. My parents would read Bible stories to us, and, and uh, one night they were talking about how in order to go to heaven, I needed Jesus, and um, that if I didn't accept, jesus as my savior then i would go to hell well i didn't want to go to hell at all so then i prayed and i asked jesus into my heart then and then the next night i did the same thing and um, my parents stopped and my dad explained to me that i only had to pray that one time and that after that request was made i never had to do it again and and from then on i've never doubted myself my salvation i felt like it was a firm foundation that was laid at the age of five amen Uh, and because of that i was really able to help don on his journey
1: Uh uh-huh good transition to don's story but i just want to backtrack a second uh, you were saved by asking Jesus into your heart. And of course, you and I know, because I know you well enough, that that's not the clearest language to use. So how would you explain that to somebody who uh, say, how did that happen if you're asking Jesus into your heart?
0: Um, I just thought of it as. Believing that it's true. Yeah, that he died for me. and that's How I can have eternal life. Um, Yeah, very simple. My parents were never ones to make um, believing a complicated thing.
1: Yeah. And as a missionary child, you certainly had the context of all the facts about Jesus and who he was and what he did. It was just that term. It, It didn't throw you off because you knew enough, but... Uh, we know that it's not a clear term today, and so we'll, we know that you're saved also, and you've never doubted it since. But, no. Don, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, you want to say something? Don, what what is uh, what was your upbringing? You weren't born on the mission field, so tell us about your upbringing.
2: Well, I was born and raised uh, in small communities in uh, Iowa, uh, born in one and moved there to another at age four, and that's where my parents remained until the day they died. Um, So I was raised in a typical uh, American home, um, stayed in the same house all growing up years, same school from kindergarten through grade 12. And um, after graduating from high school, went to a small Bible college. Um, One reason was, is that I wanted to play basketball. I certainly wasn't good enough to go on the higher levels of uh, the university level or anything like that. But um, I wanted to play. But I also just thought it would be good to get some more Bible education. And so I um, I pursued Bible college and met Patty there. And we married and went on to Dallas Seminary. And then after four years there, we've been in pastoral ministry ever since. Um, related to my my. St- testimonies pertaining to receiving eternal life, I remember very specifically uh, an evening where my mom was ironing clothes in the living room, had the ironing board set up watching television, and in, in our house, if Billy Graham was on TV, nothing else could go on. <laughs> and uh, and so if you wanted to watch TV, you watched Billy Graham. And I had seen him before and things, but um. That night, I was just intrigued, and um, I was in fifth grade, and um, I remember laying on the floor, I had my head cupped in my hands, uh, listening very, very intently, and he addressed and gave, of course, a gospel presentation, an invitation, and I was very, very convicted and very desirous to know for sure I have eternal life. I remember going up to my room and getting down on my knees by my bed. It was dark, of course. It was an evening broadcast, and asked Jesus to be my savior. I asked to receive Christ as my savior. And I remember also vividly the next day, knowing that I was different. I just, and I look back, and um, I believe that. There was just the um, awareness of the Holy Spirit, even though I didn't understand it at that time. But I knew there was a difference. And um, during the next years, finishing elementary school and middle school or junior high, they called it back then, and high school, um, I always had an interest in spiritual things, and especially in the Bible. And uh, the church that I grew up in, um, it was a um, it was a church that was very much of a, a reformed church and connected with a reformed denomination. I remember longing for exposition of the Bible, and I'd come to church with a Bible, but not really much was taught from the Bible except in the Sunday school classes. We learned our Bible stories well. Um, our our youth group, so to speak, was centered around catechisms and uh, the Synod of Dort, that type of thing. But I did long just for the Bible, and at the same time that that was happening, my brother had gotten saved at the University of Iowa and discipled by Reagan Benedict, mm-hmm. who was very strong free grace guy and discipled a number of those students at the University of Iowa and changing his major, Dave went on to seminary. And so it was during those years during his visits that conversation would happen with my parents and Dave and myself and Dave, and it always led to more longing for the scriptures. And I never doubted, I did not doubt my salvation at all those years. Mm-hmm. Um, I taught some Bible studies, even as a high schooler, uh, we had some small groups that needed my home, I had I had uh, morning devotions with uh, the quarterback of our high school football team who went on to play a little bit in the NFL. And uh, he and I read our daily bread together every day and because we had a longing for those things. It wasn't just routine. It was a desire for truth. Mm-hmm. Where my doubt started was when I got to Bible college. <laughs> mm. And it wasn't uh, something I want to blame on the Bible college. It's, it's not the Bible college's fault but I came into a setting where people were using language that I just was not used to. Um, when did you get saved? And, um, you know, and, and I, I just had to remember, you know, I remember my experience there with the Billy Graham, but they would talk and in those terms, it was a whole new setting, a lot of a, kind of a Mennonite and Baptists and so forth. They were using language like that. And, um, and you know, that, if somebody was smoking or had a beer, they were bound for hell, for sure, because proving they really weren't safe people, and that wasn't my experience. My my parents enjoyed a glass of wine now and then and so forth. I just was in a different culture. But mm-hmm. what really what really spun me was one night when a special speaker came to school at the beginning of my freshman year, and I think by talking to so many kids who – came out of Christian high schools, Christian backgrounds. He really forced the point to have everyone, um, to the best I remember, are you really saved? Are you really saved? And that turned me, as I look back, Charlie, what turned me was that I no longer was looking at Christ. I began to look inwardly whether my faith was a satisfactory faith mm-hmm. and so then I kept asking did I real did I believe did I really believe did I did I believe enough did my it's my and i I wasn't that i I was told that unless you do XYZ you're probably not a Christian it wasn't because if I wrestled with sin that I couldn't I, I must not be a child of God if I wrestle with sin those perseverance issues really weren't the issues for me mm-hmm The issue was, did I really believe? And my focus turned inward to my faith rather than the object of my faith. And I was miserable to the point of depression and tears Mm. and fear for years. For years. uh, Yeah. And when I got to seminary and I had the opportunity to not just be in classes, but just to have more engagement um, with some men who I am ever indebted to. Um, I I would say that Zane Hodge is probably more... um, Mm -hmm.
0: You know, I would um, keep telling him that he never doubted that Christ died on the cross mm-hmm. for our sin.
2: Never doubted he that.
0: never doubted that. And that's what, you know, I kept telling him. And that's what gives salvation.
1: Yeah. And that's gives life. We take our eyes off of that and we're asked to have faith in our faith. And then we just get in this vicious downward introspective it, circle.
2: Very introspective uh, quicksand. It's yep. a very introspective quicksand, and so my coming out of it wasn't instantaneous. It needed a change of mentality, hmm. and so whenever those dots started coming, I would just visually picture Christ on the cross, and um, visually consider: I knew He rose, I knew He ascended, I knew He's coming back. No, He's coming back, hmm. but. Um, I guess I tear up in thinking about the misery uh, all those years. It was not just a theological point of debate. It was every bit of my being that feared uh, eternity in hell. And um, so that mentality changed slowly. I was able to, it's kind of like reprogramming yourself we mm. having a reprogramming happening. And um, I remember during a very difficult time in ministry when a young man in our church had taken his life. Um, it was a very, very dark time. It was satanic, all that was involved in his taking of his life. Mm. But I remember laying on my bed when the serious doubts of my own salvation then started to really plague me again. I remember just thinking about the cross and... And the, and the peace that I experienced as that mentality became more and more gripped in my in my thinking. And, um, and of course, the freeness of eternal life, the momentary faith aspect of our salvation, that it is a moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, even when we sing the song, uh, to God be the glory, you know, to the one who truly believes, I, I just say, who only believes. That's how I sing the song.
1: So and, uh, a, a moment of faith saves the person, but a person can run into doubts soon after that. Uh, even. yeah,
2: Absolutely. If people say you're not saved, if you don't have assurance, then um, first of all, it's wrong. And uh, by the way, I mentioned Zane Hodges and he's the one that counseled me on that. I remember talking to him personally on that mm. and uh, he, um, he helped me a lot in terms of focus and, It's there's an emotional aspect to it too. It's tied in kind of with depression and um, self doubt and self condemnation. Those types of things they all kind of interplay together. But that's that's basically my story.
1: I've talked to so many people who are tortured by uh, the fact that they're not sure they're saved, and they they tell me about going to bed at night, you know, afraid that they'll not wake up in in heaven if they were to die in their sleep what were you going to say patty
0: god has used that journey to make the doctrine of salvation a passion mm-hmm.
1: of dawn, Amen. a
0: passion of explaining the the truth to people and so god has brought such good things out of that even though it was quite a journey
2: yeah yes. and i I'm so grateful for the, you know, the the men that um, I leaned upon heavily, and another man I leaned upon very heavily was my own brother Dave, who right. you know very well, Charlie. Mm-hmm. I know him, and he he walked with me through it, never never doubted my salvation. But um, anyway, I'm, I'm grateful for that in the sense that if there's anybody listening that is continuing to wrestle, um, there is the there is the benefit of walking with people who know it well and right and who can who can help support you and encourage you in your in terms of your focus and so forth
1: yeah amen you uh what did it what did it feel like to to have that issue resolved finally and it came with an understanding of what grace meant right
2: Yeah, growing, of course, like Paul says, he prayed for, prays for the, uh, prayed to, in the book of Ephesians, prayed for the, their eyes to be opened to the height, width, and depth of the love of God. And that's a growing process. And um, that's a growing pr- process for me. Um, mm-hmm. I think that due to some issues in my background, um, I have had, um, problem with that in some ways. I'll I'll be glad to share with your listeners. I have had two serious bouts of depression. Both of them had, uh, one took me out of the pastorate, at least a change in it. Um, It was a good long year before I came out of the real dark valley. The second time was about the same period of time. It happened in the year 2000, And in that second time, uh, my brother encouraged me to pursue some counseling, which I did in Colorado uh, uh, with a man who tended to uh, spend quite a bit of time with missionaries and pastors in terms of uh, marital issues or infidelity issues or whatever, or depression. Well, mine was depression. And I'll never forget the day that he said to me, asked me, he says, do you believe God loves you? And that's tied in with assurance, by the way. Mm-hmm. It, there is there, it, that's that's another component that comes into play if people struggle with assurance. I said, "Yes, I do. I do believe God loves me." And then he asked, "Do you feel that He loves you?" And I said, "No." Mm-hmm.
1: Huh.
2: And he began then and proceeded to tell me an answer that th- I thought initially I thought we just wasted a lot of time and money for this counseling based on what he answered. But I have found that his answer is true. (laughs) He said a very key part of coming to not only believe, but to feel the love of God is art. Is art. art. Yeah. He said art, whether it's song, poetic art, Paintings, they are designed to connect the mind with the emotions. We don't learn new theology when we sing songs, hmm. but theology becomes emotional by singing those songs. Okay. Yesterday in our church service, we sang a song that was Touch My Emotions. The truth of that song I've been known for decades, but anyway. And I started to incorporate that more and more in my life, even with certain paintings, prints, that uh, one's called Forgiven. And just to stare at that
1: Mm. and
2: have God's truth uh, bridge what I already know and believe to what I feel. Yeah. So it's an interesting component. Maybe not everyone that's interesting. I never heard it
1: put that way, Art, but that's where your feelings connect with the cognitive. Um, mm-hmm. Now, uh, are you an introspective person, Don? Too much so. I'll let Patty answer that. Well, I know the answer to that myself, but I wanted to hear <laughs> hear from you. <laughs> oh, very
2: much so. And of course, you know, Charlie, when we talk about assurance issues, there's several components that come together and to make a perfect storm it's yep. not just theological
1: yeah uh,
2: various factors
1: yeah and i i i have met so many people who are introspective wonderful introspective people are great because they're they're in touch with their emotions to a large degree and they write poetry and they they're the ones that do the paintings and things like that <laughs> uh, kind of a side that i don't have so much of but uh, uh they make a great contribution to the world but they often question their own thoughts and feelings um somewhat to get in this cycle like that. Um, mm-hmm. but that, That's interesting, though, that you, you're you preparing for ministry. You actually were ministering in high school. You're preparing for ministry. You go to Dallas Theological Seminary, which I also attended, and it's not cheap, and you're, you're spending all this money. Of course, it was worth it to you in the end, but uh, it's a lot of money to spend to get your assurance of salvation. I, I guess yeah. I say a little bit, uh, ironically at the,
2: same, at the same time, all those assurance issues were plaguing me and, and yeah. shadowing me. I still had not, I had a growing interest and desire for the word of God
1: There you and, go.
2: Uh, and to grow in truth.
1: Yeah. And I don't, you know, uh, of course I, I don't, uh, I'm just kidding about the price of the education. You get so much yeah. from the relationships yeah. and everything else. Um, and as you did, so it paid off well for you. And then you you you've been in ministry for how long now? Uh, let's say vocational or full time ministry after seminary.
2: Yeah, it's been forty years. I it was eighty two when I graduated from from Dallas, and we've been in it ever since.
1: And you you were in uh, Virginia for a lot of that. Well, you passed it before you went to Virginia.
2: Yeah, we were. We've we've spent uh, six years in Kansas. Um, five years, I mean, nine years, excuse me, five, more, wait, I got back up six years in Kansas, five in Iowa, and then, um, nine years in North Dakota, and then, um, enjoying that very much. And then out of the blue, uh, of course, in the will of God, got called by Mark Carey, who's a seminary buddy of mine and asked to join his staff at Fellowship Bible Church in Winchester, Virginia. Mm-hmm. We were there for 17 years.
1: Yeah.
2: And, um. And then we've had some recent developments in our life that uh, was one of some of the components that caused us to, to move back to the central Plains. So we're in McPherson, Kansas right now at a at a church called Grace Bible Church.
1: Grace Bible Church in McPherson, Kansas. Maybe somebody in that area might want to look you up. Now, as a pastor, you're dealing with people who uh, struggle with assurance all the time. Both of you uh, uh, talk to people all the time. Uh What is your basic approach in talking to them?
2: Patty, why don't you tell about what's going on recently? Yeah,
0: I have been talking with um, a younger mom who really doubts herself. She's very introspective and continually doubts her salvation. She's been learning the proper uh, theology. She's maybe been saved, maybe eight years or so. But two things that I've been talking to her about is that you don't base your assurance of salvation on your feelings. You base it on the fact. And she believes the facts, she just doubts herself. And then I also strongly believe that Satan keeps playing that over and over that same tape over and over in her head about doubting her salvation and I told that she needs to start treating that as doubt uh, um, arrows that are coming from without and then um, do do uh, spiritual warfare against that.
2: And how about uh the Sunday night study that you do?
0: Oh, yeah. I'm um, starting a study on um, the book The Hungry Inherit because mm-hmm. it's it's so important that they understand the difference between salvation and discipleship. And you call it a truth, a truth. And uh, so um, this one gal was who grew up in a very strict Mennonite home that would be like like the Amish, and how she kept being told that if she did if she if she didn't wear a dress, so she didn't you know wear her cap, she didn't do this and didn't do that that she would be going to hell. And I was reading the other day um, where where Paul says, if it's the law that saves you, then there's no point in Christ dying on the cross, and that really struck me because i i've always thought of that well the old testament law but that also applies to all these rules that we say you have to do this and this and this in order to have eternal life well then i never thought of it like that well then why did christ even bother dying you know if yeah. you could <laughs> obey all those rules
1: that's a good point it's 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 a dis, it's in a sense disrespecting what he's done and saying it wasn't good enough or not enough so, well, you know, people, in my experience, I've seen people have doubts about their assurance because of introspective personality, but also just getting in the wrong doctor and wrong churches, legalistic type of situations where your performance is uh, evaluated instead of your uh, what you believe in. So there's many different ways to lose your assurance, but only one way to get it back. And that's by what you said, looking to Jesus Christ on the cross and what he's done for us and and uh finding salvation there now the doctrine of assurance of salvation is you know has such personal ramifications as you've been saying but i know it probably really meant a lot to you uh in your recent experience with your daughter your daughter christy and uh i prayed for her for years uh when when i was reminded about her story um but I'm not going to tell that story. Maybe you can tell that story and and um, tell us about her testimony. And, and how many children do you have overall?
2: Yeah, we have four. Uh, all of them are married, and all four are married well. And uh, we have 15 grandchildren
1: with us. Um, oh, you're ahead of me. Well, sorry. Over <laughs> Expecting number 11 <laughs> soon. Oh, that's good. Uh,
0: and three waiting for us in the kingdom.
1: <laughs> yeah. oh, okay, there you go. Well, if we, you put it uh, that way, I've got thirteen. So okay, we um
2: yeah, our oldest is Christy. She married Jason Curry. Um, Jason is the uh, executive director of the Youth for Christ ministry in Omaha, Nebraska, which is pretty extensive ministry. They have uh, ministry in forty-two schools um last count last I was counted wanted off at Air Force Base. They administered uh, teen moms, um, prescription drug addiction issues. They have a ministry uh, targeting that. Um, Jason is the director and Christy uh, they've been they were married in 2003, I believe, uh, if I remember right. and they, um, they were really quite a team. He's very administratively gifted. Uh, extremely so, and uh, she was very gifted uh, in speaking and evangelizing. She had such a commitment to the gospel. Uh, She understood the freeness of it. She understood it very, very well. And um, so they had quite a team, and they have three children, uh, Isaiah, Summer, and and, and Zane is their youngest. And in 2015, um, she felt... Um, some lumps in her armpit. Long story short, it ended up in a double mastectomy, uh, cancer, chemotherapy, etc. Those were difficult years. Those first year was very hard because the chemo was very intensive and she suffered a good amount. And then um, that was in April of 2015 and then in November, we got the call that the scan showed all clear. And we were so so excited about that. And uh, continued visits to the doctor showed all clear uh, for the next couple of years. But then um, in June of 2018, she was feeling quite tired. She had just had a doctor visit who didn't do a scan, but looked everything looked very good, but then she started having bad back pains and fatigue, and I just knew in my heart something was very wrong, mm. and on uh, June 28, 2018, she was uh, diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. It had over 100 tumors in her lungs. Um, she had three on her spine, on her hip, and one in her liver that was inoperable, mm. And uh, of course, honor that was Stur-
0: honor, sternum. honor sternum
2: as well. Mm-hmm. So that was a, a devastating time. And um, I'll let uh, just kind of jump forward and let Patty speak about that, but um, and also about just what happened in these years. But then um, she um, lived until April twenty three, uh, two thousand twenty one, and the Lord took her home. She suffered. Significantly, because cancer had gone into her bones and it was very, very painful.
1: Yeah, very painful. And and, and, and at, at what age did she? Forty-two was so when she died.
2: Yeah, and um, we were with them for months. To I want to give public acknowledgement of the elders um, at Fellowship Bible Church in Winchester, Virginia. Mm-hmm. They supported us. They. State kept me on salary, even though we were gone for months. Mm. Um, people in the church covered all of our plane expenses that we had back and forth, back and forth, back and forth to Omaha, Nebraska. So they really supported us in great amount of prayer internationally from thousands of people um, around the country and around the world. And um, people might wonder if those prayers were not effective because God took her home, but. We can say now today, after about a year and a half later, um, we're still grieving, but those prayers were answered because um, I keep looking at Christy and how she suffered and died. If that's what I would do in that same situation, because she gave glory to Christ um, in a way that we couldn't be more proud. We would rather have Christy have exemplified what she did, even though the Lord took her home, than if she would have had a whole wall full of gold medals in the Olympics. Um, well, it that, was, we're very grateful, but she suffered well, but it was a tough, tough time.
1: It sounds like it would have been extremely painful for her. and We don't. We also acknowledge the pain it is for parents to watch a child go through that, which is equally as painful emotionally. Can you give us an example of uh, what you mean when you talk about her testimony and glorifying God in this time?
2: Yeah, one thing, um, it wasn't that it was without battle. There were times that darkness, you can almost sense the enemy's attacks against her in the house. It was just immense to doubt She had times where she would say, What if I die and nobody's there? That it's not true. I remember sitting on the bed with her, she explained this in great with great emotion. And I've said a lot of dumb things in my life, Charlie, but this was not one of them. I said it all I said, Christy, if the resurrection is true, then everything's true. Everything that he said, everything that he did, if he rose from the dead, then it's all true.
1: That's right,
2: And th- that seemed to settle it for her. Um, but um, then she came out of that, and she, from that point forward, just believed that God had called her to that path. And she was going to glorify him and continue to... Communicate him as through whatever avenues that she had, and she did.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Her, we call it celebration of life service. Um, there was, I don't know, hum, hundreds of people that came to it, but online there were many, many more that mm-hmm. saw it and heard it. And uh, Patty, I'll let you share it.
1: Yeah, Patty.
0: Throughout her journey, she would write. Um, different, I guess I'd call them articles that she posted on Facebook. She had people following her from all over the world. And there was one that I know the different people have told me how much it impacted them is that she did what she did because God asked her to. Hmm. Because she suffered and she listed all the ways that she had to suffer she said but i did it because god asked me to and that was her attitude through through it all and then even on her um her uh, celebration service people were watching all over the world and in dealing with my grief afterwards, something that I had to face was, was I willing to sacrifice her death for the sake of other people, for the sake of believers deciding to follow Christ wholeheartedly or people believing that, that Christ's death On the cross is true for them and um she was also well known throughout omaha uh, because of the position there and so a big impact even in even in omaha
2: Hmm.
0: so even though you know it's been well the hardest thing i've ever had to go through and in, in, in light of eternity, it has to be worth it. Oh, of course. It has to be um, worth it when 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 she was diagnosed the second time, I was reading in a, in a Psalm sixty-two and it says, Thy loving kindness is better than life, and God asked me then. Is my loving kindness greater than having Christie's life, Mm. having her staying alive? And I had to come to the place to say, Okay, Lord, thy loving kindness is greater, it is more important. I want that more, but it's not like I am embracing her death, you know. right uh, and we understand such, but but in that this world is not the end in light of eternity and that god that god has given me eternal life and he wants to give others eternal life for eternity and this life here is only death it's not true life the true life begins in eternity and in light of that then yes his loving kindness is greater than than that and um, eternity means so much more to me it's it's real it is real and tangible it's physical
1: mm-hmm it's amazing that the scripture would uh call christie's ordeal a light affliction that has an eternal weight of glory as much as you know that she suffered and and went through so much pain yet the scripture calls it a light affliction i i can imagine the only reason it does so is because it's comparing it to the eternal weight of glory and in that respect in that comparison it's just a, a momentary thing that we have to pass through, but I'm wondering, Patty. You you say you you know trusted Christ as your Savior when you were very young and never doubted that. But what's going through the your mind uh, and your attitude about God as you watch your daughter suffer?
0: I thought that God would heal her and that that would be so impactful. Hmm. so impactful to people and um and I and I really and I really believe that God would heal her and so the first two months especially there was such great disappointment and I couldn't pray I couldn't really read the bible I could read old testament stories um, um, and, um, I wanted to add on to that too, that, um, something that came up during that agonizing time is that I was sharing with someone about Chrissy's journey and the doubts that she had about her salvation and the torment that she had from Satan and that person asked me well do you think she was really saved and that just that blew me out of the water and I'm you know I was thinking well what are you basing that on because just because we have doubts and just because Um, satan is relentless on us with telling us all these lies that has nothing to do whether we are saved or not and then i had shared with someone that i was struggling you know with those two months not being able to pray or read my bible and just really struggling um with with god i guess and then um it got mistranslated to people that, hmm. oh, I left the faith. Oh, boy. And, you know, and. Um,
1: well, there's as- been people who have faced difficult circumstances in the Bible that have been known to despair and express their doubts. Even Jesus on the night before he died. Um, yeah. Jonah. Uh, it's a natural thing.
2: John the Baptist.
1: John the Baptist. But you have the words of Romans 8 that, you know, nothing can separate us from the love of God, tribulation, trials, uh, you know, life or death and so forth. Uh, uh, Let me read the passage that I had referred to earlier because it's so comforting. Second Corinthians 4, 16 following. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day for our light affliction, which is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I think that passage makes a big difference in this kind of a situation. It's very comforting. Um,
0: yeah, it's true.
1: Well, we appreciate you sharing the story. And I'm sure, you know, there's, uh, I'm glad that you are very honest with us about the pain and the doubts, because there are people listening who will have the same feelings about situations in their lives, and and maybe they'll find comfort in the fact that God is faithful. And and Don, you couldn't, you were smart at that moment. <laughs> if the resurrection was real, then it's all true, it, and it, that's why Christianity rests on that resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's so good to hear. Um, I'll give you a chance to say anything else you want to say and uh, as we start to close up here.
2: Yeah. Um, one other thing I just want to mention in terms of Christy's journey.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: She was graduating from high school at the actual commencement service. And she went to a small school up in North Dakota, just a few students, 25 students in her class. And during the awards ceremony, she was convinced that she'd be a recipient of some of those awards, and she wasn't. And she was so embarrassed at the ceremony. And during part of the ceremony, they they allow the students to come down and give their mother a rose and greet their family while the music's playing. And she came and she hugged her family and gave her mom the rose. And she came to me and I knew why she was deeply disturbed. And she was crying. And I said, Christy, and I pointed up to the sky and I said, Christy, there's another award ceremony coming. And that's mm-hmm. the, one that that's exactly. the one that counts. That's the one that counts. During her cancer journey, she relayed that story on numerous occasions that it was at that moment in her life that she said to herself, I'm going to live the rest of my life for that one. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, she shared that story and uh, she wrote us a letter before she died. Um, she gave us... Um, Jason gave us the letter uh, after she died. We were with her when she left this earth. And um, I remember vividly the day that she came into the world. I was in the room then, and I was in the room when she left. And um, in that letter, she commissioned me and said, Dad, um, teach the doctrine of rewards. Mm-hmm don't quit. Don't quit. And um, so I take that commission and um, doing it not only in public teaching, but trying to put some things down on paper on it. There's been a lot of great things written on rewards in the last 20 years. And I don't want to repeat any of that type of stuff, repetitive things, but just something that might be of help to people that are not real familiar with the doctrine kind of like the elementary portion of it all. But anyway, the Re- Doctrine Rewards was not just the Doctrine to her. It mm-hmm. was it was a prize that she that she uh, gave her motivation to finish the race.
1: So. Amen. Well, you know, you say there's a lot written on rewards and there is from our perspective, but most people have not received teaching on that. So Christy's words are yeah. challenged to each of us that are listening right now to teach the doctrine of rewards teach that there is a judgment seat of christ where even though this life doesn't seem fair we don't seem to get a fair shake or the rewards that we think we deserve everything's going to be fair and made right at the judgment seat of christ and we should be living for that day uh so we'll i will let her words challenge everybody who's listening to to research that if you haven't studied rewards or to teach it if you're have a teaching ministry. Thanks for that's a gem. Thanks for sharing that so much. Well, yeah. we we appreciate you spending the time with us today and telling that story. And um uh, I, I think people will be blessed by hearing that and seeing how you're handling it. Um it uh it you know <laughs> Don and I, we could tell other stories, uh uh more lighthearted stories about our mountain trek up into the Beartooth wilderness with your church group. That was uh, quite a time. Uh, did, did you see the story? I, I wrote that up in the book. Did I send I you the
2: book? book? I got I got your revised copy and I haven't read that chapter yet. Yeah, but it's, a,
1: it's an expanded uh, book and I include a chapter on that. You're not necessarily the star of the chapter. It's just the story about, you know, some of the things that we did, but it's a great memory. To have, and it was a great time together up there and uh, talk about a very worshipful moment that we had um, up there as well. I'm not plugging the book, but uh, if you want to get a hold of uh, Don or Patty, they're at Grace Bible Church uh, in McPherson, Kansas. And uh, their website is gbcmcpherson.org. Gbc, McPherson spelled MC p-h-e-r-s-o-n dot org. Let them know what you think uh, or if you may have a question or something for them personally, they'd love to hear from you. So thank you very much for spending your time with us. It's good to see for me to see you and hear your voice again.
2: Thank you, Charlie. It's been a pleasure.
0: Yes, thank you.
1: Well, God bless you as you continue to minister. Well, thank you for listening to this grace story from Don and Patty, and I hope that you can see their faith shining through even in the tragedy and how they overcame uh, the sadness uh, and despair of uh, assurance, a lack of assurance of salvation as well. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And if you have doubts about your salvation, remember that there's a God who loves you. Whether you feel it or not, the resurrection proves that he loves you because Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the dead to pay the price for our sins. So that if we simply believe and what he, in the promise of eternal life that he offers us, he will give that to us absolutely free. You can't work for it. You can't deserve it. You can't uh, join any particular church or say any particular prayer. It's just believing that he has, get, will give you the gift of eternal life absolutely free. And our, our prayer is that you would do that even as you're listening right now. If you like the podcast, would you please give us a good review, leave a few remarks so that we know you're listening, share it with other people so that they can be blessed as well, and um, and maybe you someday will have a story of your own that you can tell us. So thank you very much for listening. Until all here.
0: Thank you for listening. For more resources or to help spread the message of God's life-changing grace, visit our website at gracelife.org. We'd love to hear from you. Send us a message at simplybygrace at gracelife.org. See you next time.